0: Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa.
1: Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability.
0: In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex,
1: but we're here to define it. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a busy day, Um, but my last meeting I just got out of was so good. Um, It was with our new sales exec. Her name is Caitlin. And oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to talk to her. She's amazing. And she's been listening to our podcast, which was fun. Um, She loves it, which is really nice. That's awesome. So Caitlin, if you're listening, hello. She's like just so knowledgeable about all things sales and relationship building. And she's also a musician herself, which is oh, really that's cool. awesome. So I wish I could say that about myself. <laughs> no, she's just so cool in general. I was like, dang, I also wish I was cool. I know she you can know? do it all. Yeah. So that helped me kind of feel peppy today for sure. Good. How about you?
0: I'm good. I My significant other just got home from a deployment. So that was today. So that's exciting. And I was just so excited for him to see our puppy. And it was just so cute. So and today was this morning. It was really sunny, which was great because it has been a brutal fall here so far. It was not like this last year. And one of my good friends um, that I went to college with told me that she does not remember a fall in Washington. She's from here. She doesn't remember a fall in Washington that was ever this just like the rain hasn't just been like misty it's been like downpours of rain
1: dang yeah well, the sun so, came out for logan everybody's i know Happy I was like, that he's home i
0: know it's so funny i was like i called someone and told them to like let the sun out for you today so wow yeah it's been Love nice that. to have a change and now you know it's like sometimes you get into your routine and a routine is great but then after a while you need to like mix it up so neptune yeah. and i needed a a mix-up in our lives yeah. <laughs>
1: That's exciting. I'm so yeah. glad he's back. me too. Well, cool. Um today, we are talking about how creators can serve multiple different audience types, um, because I think a lot of creators are pretty diverse, you know some of them do multiple different types of things, and they end up having multiple kinds of audiences, mm-hmm. um, maybe even without meaning to. So um, today's topic actually comes from a listener question, and yeah. Exactly what I just said. Like many creators have multiple areas of focus, and treating all of these subscribers exactly the same can be a poor experience Mm -hmm. if subscribers are receiving content that's irrelevant to them or different than what they thought they were signing up for. So, we're going to talk about how do you handle that and navigate that. Well, I'll go ahead and just start with the
0: actual question that we received from Chris. So, thank you for sending this question in, Chris, and hello. Okay, here's the question. I'm transitioning my career to be an author and illustrator for children's books and comics. I want to start blogging and sending out emails to subscribers. The issue I have is that I don't know who to write for. The easy path would be to write for other illustrators, authors, and creators. But I think my audience might actually be teachers, librarians, and parents who would be the audience for my children's books. If you can help me figure out a focus or point me in the right direction, that would be awesome. Thank you for the podcast. It's so informative and helpful, which
1: is so nice. Thank you for the compliment at the end of the question. (laughs) So nice. And such a great question. And also, um, that's such a cool career. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And just, I think that's something that a lot of creators struggle with. Because, yeah, you have people in your audience sometimes they are like your peers and they mm-hmm. want to learn from you, and then sometimes they're your consumers, and they don't necessarily want you to talk about the craft, but they want um, to learn about what you're creating. I kind of felt that with this podcast, honestly, mm-hmm. um you know, deliverability defined, I knew, and we do have like a lot of people listening to this who are deliverability experts and they work for other ESPs or they're consultants and Honestly, I love them all, if you're listening, hello. But we didn't create this podcast for them, and we had to be very mindful of that. Because if we did, we would be talking about very different things. Like, what's it like day-to-day to to be a deliverability expert? Um, We would get super in the weeds. We would get Mm -hmm. super technical. And creators would probably hate it. And the mission of this podcast is to help creators with their email marketing. And so we don't get super technical um, we try and just tell you what you must know. We're not expecting anyone to be extremely experts, but just to get what you need. So, I think that highlights how podcast, social media, all mm-hmm. that is very different than email. Because in email, we actually could cater to both of those audiences. Right. So, before I get too into that, um, here's what I responded to Chris with when he emailed us. I said, "My advice would be to embrace the fact that you have different archetypes within your audience." but to personalize your content so that you're meeting the needs of both groups of people. Here's how I would do this. First, send an email to all subscribers asking them about who they are. This is a get to know you slash introductory sort of email. Within the message, ask subscribers to click which category they fall into. Illustrators, authors, or creators, or teachers, librarians, or parents. Second step, tag those who click each button with a corresponding tag. Third step, If someone has the illustrators, authors, and creators tag, you can send them content and writing related to them, you know, that makes sense to them. And if someone has the teachers, librarians, and parents tag, you can send them content and writing related to them. So maybe more around like promoting your actual writing, sending them samples of your writing, while the illustrators and authors and creators would get more information about like your actual creation process, things like that. So in summary... I think it's great to have two different audience groups within your audience and create for both of them if Mm -hmm. that's exciting to you. To provide the best experience to your audience, you can try to figure out who belongs to which group and send them the content that's most relevant to them. Love it.
0: I uh, always tell people like I love animals so much and all kinds of animals, but... Alyssa, you have a cat, I have a dog. (laughs) And if we both signed up for like an animal email list and someone asked me like what my interest was, it's not that I don't like cats. I just would want information probably related to dogs a little bit more than cats because I don't have one. Um, And so I always like try to give that as an example because I think it's easy to like overlook that there are people in your audience that are different. Um, Kind of like, you know, we can all be animal lovers, but we all have interests that are specific to animals. So I just think it's like an easy example to think about because who
1: doesn't like animals? Yeah, that is a good one. And I always joke, cause this, it's just so weird. I was a dog person my whole life. And like, even after I got my cat, Percy, who I'm obsessed with, I was still like, I'm a dog person, but I love my cat. Mm-hmm. And I have officially transitioned. Like I'm a full cat person now and I like cats <laughs> better than dogs. And I never <laughs> ever thought I would say that. Like I was I mean, a huge dog person. I think that's totally like possible. <laughs> When
0: yeah. you have when you have a, a love for an a, a pet specifically mm-hmm. or an experience with an animal or whatever. So I think I love that example because people change. People change. Exactly.
1: <laughs> people change. I feel <laughs> like that's like a <laughs> I don't even know, like a revelation we just <laughs> came up with. This is a very deep podcast. <laughs> people change. That people did grow, sound really learn. deep, but we said it at the same time. <laughs> OK,
0: top points of this conversation. We can move on. <laughs> One of the many things that makes email so great is the level of customization that you can do to deliver exactly what each subscriber wants to receive. On social media, for example, you have to treat all of your audience the same way and all followers are going to see your Instagram story even though you might not be relevant to what their interests are. And I, that's actually something that I know it's talked about in the creator like email marketing realm, but I think it's almost like downplayed like how big of a deal that is. Like I, I have had to like remove myself from Instagram for a while because I felt like so much of the content and I know part of it's my fault for not being pickier about like who I follow or the kinds of content I want to see. But I just had to take a step back because the stuff I was seeing was either like not important to me. uh, It was like taking up brain space that I just didn't need, you know, or Mm -hmm. just annoying me or whatever. And so with email, I like find that I'm reconnecting with different parts of me by subscribing to things
1: I actually care about. Yeah. Again, another deep thought. Yes. No, this is so good. I love conversations like this because it's so true to our, you know, our real lives, the way that we consume things. So as a consumer, things like Instagram can be tough because Mm -hmm. you're getting things you don't want, but you might be like, well, I like to follow this person when they post their recipes, like they're so exactly. good, actually. I can't follow them, but man, I cannot stand when they post constantly about their kids. <laughs> right. You know? well, or whatever just, else. Yeah.
0: No, it's so true. There are people that I like enjoy a little bit, you know, tidbits about their life, but that's exactly it. Like, I, it's not even that I don't want to or don't care. It's just like I don't have the brain capacity right. to like know everyone's life story or like want to know everyone's life story. So, and I think that's unfortunately the push that like Instagram has had is that you have to push out so much content that I think people have like moved into that. Oh, let me tell you about my personal life too, because it's Mm -hmm. how much content can you create photos, videos, whatever about like your food blog, like eventually you're going to have to talk about something else because you don't have time to like push out that much content
1: it's a lot. And so yeah. I think it's a pain point for both the people consuming and the people creating. Mm-hmm. So like I have a friend um I just had coffee with the other day who felt this struggle recently and is kind of going through it. So she is a creator with lots of different niches. She's a musician. She's amazing. Uh, she's a graphic designer, wow. and then she also is just like a human who uses Instagram to like post cat photos. She has mm-hmm. the cutest cat. Oh my gosh! So she had one Instagram account, and it was starting to get a lot of followers. But mm-hmm. it's like, are they following her because they like the graphic design posts she does, which are mm-hmm. awesome? Sometimes she'll post a clip singing. Like, what are they love her cat? Who knows? Mm-hmm. So she actually ended up um, creating two brand new accounts one just for music, one just for graphic design. And her main one is just now like her personal account. Mm -hmm. But that's such a bummer because those two new accounts just started at zero and it's just sort of like starting fresh. It's just, you know, that's a lot more to manage on her side too. Mm -hmm. So although it's possible to kind of make that work, really the highlight here is just that email is so unique in the way that you can have all of your audience together in one place. Mm -hmm. But Send them completely different emails. In a podcast, we are only putting out one thing that can go to everybody and we can't say, like, if they're a deliverability expert, I want them to only hear this, you know. Or we've talked about we've
0: we've tinkered around with the idea of celebrity gossip, but I don't know if anyone that listens to this podcast would be a fan
1: of that. Not a single person has (laughs) expressed interest in that. So so, we'll have to keep that one to ourselves. But um With email, you really can meet everyone's needs, which is good for your subscribers and good for you. It
0: makes me kind of sad. Like when I think about or when I hear about your friend, because it's like I hate saying what I said before and then feeling like I'm squashing people's like creativity by having to create three accounts, you know, like or post about their cat or whatever. But the other cool thing about email is that like you could still have a monthly newsletter or whatever, and that could be general and it could be talking about like all the facets of your your business or your creative niches or whatever. So there's still ways it doesn't have to all be separate either.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And don't feel bad cuz I know what you mean. Probably most people follow at least hundreds or sometimes thousands of people, mm-hmm. but seeing just what everyone is thinking and saying and doing all the time is a lot. And sometimes yeah. you're like I just want a recipe. quiet or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like yeah. I, I don't need all the extra noise. So right. But yeah, I like that email. Um, and actually, this is you know live rerouting, but I believe our CEO, Nathan, just posted something in Slack that is related mm-hmm. to this. It's uh, an article from The Atlantic, and the headline is the internet's unkillable app. And the tagline says, the noisier our digital lives get, the more popular the humble newsletter becomes. Hmm. So we're not the only ones feeling this. The Atlantic just wrote an article about this that... Everything is so noisy right now that actually email feels quieter, more focused. Um, We can put that article in our show notes in case you're interested in reading it. So point number two, how do you learn about
0: subscribers? Ask them some questions. You can do this in a natural way that your subscribers will enjoy. Uh, One great way to do this is through a welcome sequence. Your first email can welcome your subscribers to your email list and introduce yourself. While the following emails are, are all about you getting to know your subscribers, where you ask them to select their interests or gather any other info you need, location, birthday, et cetera. You know, we've talked about uh, more recently, like other metrics other than opens. And so getting people involved, engaging in your emails, like clicking and choosing things that they want to share about themselves is like a great way to, yeah, like get those extra clicks or people spending more time on your email.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I can so clearly picture this sequence and it would be amazing. Like your first email, if I'm thinking about my friend, um, she would say like, Hey, welcome to my email list. Here's more about me. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I am a musician. I'm a graphic designer." Like she would have Mm -hmm. kind of all these things introducing herself. Here's what she's passionate about. And then it can say like in my next email, I want to learn more about you. I'm so excited you're here. Things like that. And then maybe a few days later, the sequence automatically, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. sends out an email and says something like, I want to know more about you. What are you interested in? And she can have buttons there to click. Are you interested in my music, my graphic design, or my life? You mm-hmm. know, And people can click, they can click multiple options and that will help her moving forward, send better emails that are more targeted. And one thing you mentioned that I want to point out, If it works for you, you can gather some of this information at the point of sign up as well. Many people don't like to go this route because they want to make the sign up process as quick and easy as possible, which I totally understand. But if there's any information you must have, the sign up form is a great place to gather it. For example, um, many musicians need zip codes. It's a must because they need that information to send targeted emails related to tour dates and locations that could apply also to, you know, like an author doing a book tour something like that. So if you absolutely need a piece of information, it's great to put that on your signup form so you get it right off the bat. I wouldn't ask a, you know, a 10 page questionnaire in your and also what's process. your social security number? Yeah. What's your password? Yeah. No, don't do that. Yeah, don't <laughs> do j- that. That's a joke.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of different creators that I feel like could really utilize like having a little bit more specific information if people are willing to give it out. And there's, I think the other hard part is that people are like, I feel weird asking someone for their birthday. Like we've definitely had people say in the past, um, or, you know, senders, like, how do we ask for this without seeming to like it being weird? And I think that people underestimate how much other people want to share about themselves. Like it's definitely an art to learn, to listen and, like ask people questions that get them excited about themselves but once you do people are willing to share a lot and I don't mean that in like a weird way I think people it just creates that deeper connection with your audience mm-hmm. um and so I think that it might take a little bit of like time to sit down and like think through how you ask someone for their birthday or like what kinds of questions you can ask to get people to respond you know about their own life but I think if you can do that in like a a way that makes people feel like it's a one-to-one relationship, it can be really beneficial.
1: Yeah, and I think another great strategy is tell them what they're going to get from it. So mm-hmm. like the birthday example, if I sign up for someone's email list and they just ask for my birthday with no context, yeah. I honestly probably will not give it to them because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, why do you want That's that? weird. But yeah. if it says... Enter your birthday for a special gift on Mm. your birthday or, you know, like a discount or I know Sephora is a store that has the birthday gift every year. That's so exciting. Like Mm -hmm. I will tell them my birthday as many times as they want to hear it. So as long as you tell people like what they're going to get from it, that always helps. Um, In the case of zip code, say like, I want to email you if I'm ever coming to your city. Mm -hmm. So give me your zip code. Or um, if you are asking like what category they fall into, you can say like, I want to send you relevant emails that mm-hmm. apply to you. So let me know more about yourself. As long as you're meaning to serve the mm-hmm. the reader, then I think they won't yep. mind that you're asking those questions.
0: Totally agree. All right, number three. Um, as you send to your list, you can definitely combine these audiences when your uh, content applies to all of them. But now that you have some extra data, you can be sure that if you, for example, send out an email about how illustrators can improve their work, you only send that email to illustrators creators on your list and not the librarians. Um, The less you can make subscribers think, oh, that email doesn't apply to me at all, the better.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to sum it up. I totally agree. I think this might sound like a lot of work, but um, with things like, you know, sequences, which are totally automated, you know, you have to build it, but then anyone who joins your list goes through it. And then just whenever you're creating the content you want to create, you can easily find those tags and say, oh, this would apply only to these people. So I'm going to tag it appropriately and um only send it to those people. But yeah, like you were saying earlier, sometimes it might make sense to send out a full newsletter to your whole list mm-hmm. where it combines all sorts of different topics. So I think that's up to you, but one really cool thing about having multiple audience types on your list is it kind of opens up multiple business opportunities for you. In Chris's case, with the illustrations, like he could create a course for illustrators and maybe, you know, he was saying his career pivot is to be an illustrator for children's books and comic books. So obviously he's doing that work and he has the audience of people who wants to buy those from him Mm -hmm. and that's wonderful. But now if he has a bunch of illustrators and creators on his list, he can create products for them as well. So he just opened up a whole new revenue stream, which is awesome.
0: And I think a lot of times the reason we see people like struggle a little bit in the beginning with this is because it does involve a little bit of like, Elbow grease in the beginning. And I think human nature typically, like you want to, you don't want to have to like set something up. It takes more work on the front end to be able to create a system for it to like go forever. And that's kind of like a hard hurdle to get over sometimes. But once you do it, like you said, with sequences, like you're, you're ready to go and you don't have to worry about that part of your
1: business. Yep. My manager CT used to always say to me when I first started build the system, don't be the system. So I definitely needed to hear that back in that day. Yeah. So maybe some of you need to hear it too, but it does help to just take a step back, take the time, build out those systems and processes, and then your future self will thank you. Yes. Cool. That was a pretty short and sweet one, um, but hopefully it was helpful. And if there's any question that came up for you, or if you have any ideas of something else you want us to talk about or questions for us can always reach out at convertkit.com deliverability. There is a form there for you to send us a question. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we love to get new ideas for podcast topics so we don't have to always be the
0: ones thinking of them.
1: <laughs> it does help to also just like hear, like, what are you struggling with? Yeah. We only have it from our perspective um, and what we see mm-hmm. working with creators every day. But sometimes there are just things that, like this question is a great one that yeah. someone wouldn't write into support about right um so it's not a question that would come across our radar but it is something that creators are struggling with Mm -hmm. so anything like that where you wouldn't technically you know write in to convert it to support but it is something you're struggling with um we'd love to hear it so we can talk about it yeah definitely is a it makes it more fun definitely well i hope you all have a great
0: rest of your day all right we'll see you next week okay bye (laughs) bye
1: Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening, and if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com/slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at ConvertKit.com/slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.